Hello and welcome to a software postmortem. My name is Edgardo Carreras, and I'm here to share stories from professional developers, designers, and product owners to learn from the best teacher of them all, our failures. Today, I'm joined by my guest, Orban, to talk about project management. Orban, welcome to the show. Hey, Edgardo. Thanks for having me here. For folks who you're just meeting you now, right? This is, I know you for a really long time, actually. Um, we've been from high school all the way to now in different businesses. But for those who don't know you or meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about you and like who you are and what do you do? Yeah, so um, so it all, I started actually, um, we both went to the same college. We were roommates, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> Um, I studied industrial biotechnology, very different from what I'm doing right now, but uh, it was a good start. Um, after that, after I finished my bachelor's on that, I started working for DuPont Pioneer, which is a, a seed company, uh, and they work on they they work on GMOs. I know that's very controversial. Yeah. Controversial right topic. GMOs. <laughs> yeah. No, but it was a very good experience. I started as doing more analytics and doing a specific test on plants, you know, finding the, the right genes. And I had the opportunity with DuPont to do my master's. I decided to do it in business, to do an MBA instead of going and do something in science like everybody was doing. I wanted to do something different. Plus, right. you know, to tell you the truth, it was getting a little bit boring. Yeah, uh, you're getting in the science yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't right for me at that moment. Um, so I did my, my MBA, thanks to them. And, you know, I finished my MBA and I decided to move forward and, and move to another job doing investment banking. How was that transition? Like you, you mentioned, <laughs> yeah, like what was that? What was that like? Why did you change? What, what was your like, I need to do something different? What was your aha moment? You know, telling you, tell, tell you the truth, um, everything was becoming kind of static in the environment I was mm -hmm. there in the, in the office, in the laboratory. You know, it's been three years. I was doing the same thing as the first year. Maybe, you know, I learned to code SQL. Maybe that was the thing, different thing that I got to do. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it was one of those moments where you're sitting there and, and suddenly the, the movie starts where you're old and you're doing the same thing in the same desk with the same people every single day. And it was scary. You know, I didn't want to be, be that person. I want to do something different. I'm very energetic. I'm good with people. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You're definitely. And I, I knew, yeah. 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 I, yeah, I you see know, you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I see you handle a lot of situations where I would yes. have done that, but you're really good at that. Yeah. Go, go ahead. Yeah. So it just snapped like that. You know, I wanted to, to, to not, to become something that, that I really wanted to do and feel that, that I, I had growth. That was something very important to me. And that's, I think that's a, something that mm -hmm. everybody should have in their life. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I just, you know, started looking for jobs and a new company had come to the island that they were doing investment banking. And I actually got the job because I said that I was a project manager. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. But I wasn't you, um, you started, at the moment. Right. You, you yeah, used that was my enough. first experience. Yeah, exactly. Because I did my, I actually did my concentration on project management in in my master's degree, but um, I didn't have actually no experience whatsoever. Uh, yeah. But you know, I still got the job. Um, I, it was I still had to do a lot of um, portfolios for clients, crunching their numbers, and and you know sending sending them that. Plus, that company actually had. Uh, technology that they were developing so that's where I had my first taste of you know doing agile project management all right uh, with them yeah so you mentioned agile software like um, and that was your first you know experience like what were some like the lessons learned from your first experience there at DuPont right yeah at DuPont I did I didn't use agile that much at DuPont because you know it's a very structured company most of it was very waterfall oh, okay very strict was this an investment company then oh that it was called BCMG okay yeah BCMG and and there yeah I started doing some agile for the first time I got the books I started reading I was start started watching courses online because I, I really didn't have that much experience on agile 
Um, but, you know, the CEO, he was young, he was very energetic, he wanted something different, something new. Mm -hmm. And that's when he told me, uh, you know, I want you to do some agile for all the teams. I was doing agile for marketing, for the sales team, and, you know, implementing kind of like the agile method in some ways on each team. And especially on on managing one mm -hmm. of their softwares because they were doing they were um, contracting the software development company. Otherwise, that was outsourcing. Doing, yeah, yeah, they were outsourcing uh, <clears throat> outsourcing. So I was doing the daily stand up meetings with them every morning. Mm -hmm. um, I I was doing the marketing, uh, having meetings with marketing, having meetings with sales. But actually, on that first experience, I was doing everything very manually. You know, mm -hmm. that I was not using Jira or Senhub or any of those. But you were, um, keep, you were keeping track of data, right? As you, but not, or you were, we, or you started doing it right there. No, I would, <laughs> I actually, you know, I, I took a huge chunk of the wall there and I created kind of like a Kanban. Oh, right on the wall. I, yeah. Yeah. Right there on the wall with tape and nice. which, which for me is like the ideal one because mm -hmm. I, I love writing stuff on, on post-it notes. Mm -hmm. Um, so everybody was doing, you know, I had somebody, uh, um, William Vidal, uh, you know him, right? Mm -hmm. um, he was my boss there and, you know, he was older than me, not that much, but he, you know, he comes from banking. He was like, he was like, what the, the heck is this? Right. You know, you're making me write my stuff on a piece of paper and everything. And then for the, for the sales teams, Actually, it was easier for them to keep track on their calls and on their clients using that instead of using kind of like a software because they have everything very visual right there on the wall for everybody to yeah. see. So even the CEO could see and say, hey, uh, Nick, you know what? What's going on with this um, client? He's, he's, you know, you're supposed to follow up. It's on this column of the board, etc. So that's where I, you know, kind of like, you know, wing, winged it and learned mm -hmm. a lot and and got most of my experience from my first time in Agile methodology. Right, so talking about Agile methodologies, um, for those who don't know what Agile is, could you just give them a quick pitch of why Agile methodologies work or maybe why not or exactly your thoughts? <laughs> okay, um, you know, there's probably like an exact answer for Agile methodology, but for mm -hmm. me personally, right. it's, it's something that it's unique for everybody. You know, you could agile for me. It's not, it's not going to be the same thing for the next person. It, there's going to be things that we're going to share, like how we uh, communicate in a sense that everything tends to be more visible. Mm -hmm. Things are, for example, there's this things called um, sprints where it's kind of like a week or a two week block that you just have it for a specific uh, task and you're going to say, hey, these are the tasks that we're going to work on these two weeks. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to focus on this. So the team tends to be more focused. You have the, it tends to be the communication tends to be daily mm -hmm. instead of, uh, you know, um, <laughs> even quarterly like some business do. Right. Um, so you're day, every day you know what's going on, what's coming next, and what are the roadblocks that everybody's having. So it's a methodology where everybody tends to work more, more together, tends to help each other more, and tends to focus more on what they have to do. Yeah. I mean, uh, you were talking about uh, having a lot of um, different methods and everyone has their own uh, personal methods. Uh, which ones have you seen that, or at least let's just, no, let's just continue your story. Like you were, you started uh, <laughs> DuPont and you just went to investment banking. You started doing your your daily stand-ups, your sprints. Um, how did that impact the, the that company, and and what did you learn from your first experience? Mm, so, so let's see how it impacted it. I know that one of the ways it impacted the company is when we were doing the actually when we were doing the marketing meeting. Mm -hmm. We we <laughs> we were putting everything on on the post-it notes on what were the tasks and what we had to do, and we actually you know, we found out that we were wasting a lot of money on marketing, that we that uh -huh. it wasn't returning. There was no ROI, you know, return on investment on it, um, for example. Um, and that was very, very awkward, of course. Um, yeah, so <laughs> but that's something that I, I always remember that I keep 
my peers that are that are still friends that work there always reminded me of you know remember that time when we got to know we wasted this much money on this and that so yeah so you basically came up with the agile method in the company and you know problems were starting to surface and were very visible yes um, yes yeah. Uh, that's yeah, what that's you one, actually one way to love it. about it <laughs> in a sense yeah um because it was kind of like doing doing kind of like an an uh an operation a procedure on every department so i had to go to every department and kind of like work diagnose. on them on yeah diagnose mm -hmm. what they were doing and and then see how to implement different methodology it doesn't have to be strictly agile was not supposed to be strictly agile but um you know mainly see what things were working and what and what wasn't so kind of like also doing process improvement there oh because right. i also got my my green bell and black bell uh six sigma so i had a little knowledge on that yeah the first time i heard that i was like wow that's really impressive uh but i still don't know what that really means i think those are like some certificates or a test that you took yeah um it's yeah some courses you take uh they were they were a big deal back in the 90s yeah. and 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 uh earlier early uh 2000s um and they actually you know they they just help you do process improvement and do different methods to kind of like analyze processes and improve them you know see what's going on right now see what's wrong and then fill the gap on how to improve to get to where you want to be and they had you know it's called six six sigma um well, I don't know. I don't remember why it's called Six Sigma yeah. per se, but I th I think it was because they try to reduce um, issues, right? Uh, defects or anything that goes wrong below a certain percentage, like very, very low. Like like what, for example, airlines uh, company do. You know, they you don't they try to have not any airplane crash. Right. You know, even if it's <laughs> you, you might have like three airplanes crash a day. Um, and that's even below 0.00% of every airplane that's in the air or every uh, every trip that's going on. But still, that's very bad marketing, right? Yeah. So yeah, there's you a, like, have to read. There's this thing about their reassurances where some contracts re require you to have like a 0.99999, like 99.99999. And how many nines you can provide to, to a system that it's um, failure tolerance, that has some failure tolerance. Exactly. So, yeah. So now that you mentioned that, yeah, it's called six because I think it's, you know, below the six uh, decimal. Right. Uh, 0. I think so. 0. That makes 0. sense. 0. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what happened after? Because uh, uh, I know I know you for a long time and you've been in a lot of projects. You uh, currently like you're working on stuff, too. Like what 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 happened next? What how did your career m move on from there? <laughs> so from there. Um, so things on the company started going uh, out well, I might say. Um, mm -hmm. They started losing money and they started cutting people out and firing people. Um, so that's where, you know, I started again getting kind of scared more in a sense because this, this uh, sense of uncertainty of what was going to happen. Am I going to get fired? I am not going to get fired. I'm going to stay. <coughs> um, no it was uh, it was very Fighting. So I remember going going one day to the movies and yeah, I know this <laughs> and then uh, uh, meeting a, a friend there accidentally and he told me he was doing software development and was working at a company but he was also fed up and he wanted to start something new and I'm like hey I'm the, in the same thing but I'm doing project management and we kind of like talked about maybe you know let's start our own company and that also having that thought on my mind push me into, you know, hey, just let everything go. And I just one day quit. I, I, I remember, you know, I stood up from my desk and I went to the CEO's office um, and I I gave my resignation, resignation letter. Um, he was very pissed off, of course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I quit and, after, you know, I started my company the, the day after that with with you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. For those who yeah. don't know, yeah, me and Orban created Skyrocket Development, which is an agency in Puerto Rico, where we ha we handle a lot of um, quite a different array of projects with different um, on different markets. So yeah, uh, tell us more about that experience. <laughs> so, wow. Um, you know, you're. I think uh, 
you're never ready in a sense uh, to start your own company. It, it was so <laughs> out of the blue for us. Yeah. Not a, neither you nor I had any experience on that. Uh, we did have at least a lot of people that helped us out um, mm -hmm. on the documentation and finding clients and all that. But it was scary. You know, I left the job. I had no income. I was living out of my savings. Uh, and, and, and uh, you know, you were doing the same. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, having all that, getting the team, getting, because I had to do kind of like the, 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 the all everything that had to do with, you know, where are we going right now? Who's going to be our client and what are we going to get? You know, that's why, that's why you're here, Urban. <laughs> and, and, uh, partly, and, partly. yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, it was scary, you know, in that sense. But at least I remember when we got our first client, that's yeah. never, never, Who's we never that? forget. Uh, it was Piso Trece. Oh, yeah. Piso Trece. Piso Trece. Yeah, yeah. With yeah. Ricardo. I remember we were in. I, rem I don't think you were in that meeting, but I remember when I was in a Starbucks meeting Edgardo and he, he's like, hey, and I'm like, hey, did everything go well? He's like, yeah, here, here here's your first check. And I'm like, holy fuck. Our first check. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. We'll just yeah, put our first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no worry. Only for, okay. Yeah. Our first check swear. for $5,000. $5, $5, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, I remember uh, that too. And we, yeah. And we went to the bank and we deposited it. So, I also remember that. What too. was that project about? I mean, I remember, I remember exactly what it was about. Um, that I actually loved our finished project. I think that was one of the best. Uh, Dude, yeah. UI apps that we made. It was so uh, modern and it was really good looking. And we got a lot of really great feedback, but uh, it never, it never reached market. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, tell us. So for those who don't know about Piso 13, which we'll be talking about with the CEO, uh, I think the next week. Uh, He's a good friend of ours. Uh, his name is Egalo, as, as well as mine. Um, but what happened there? What did we learn from there? I mean, <laughs> take it okay, from the beginning. Let, let me. So I think one of the things was that first, it was this was kind of like a side project for for the company that was running it. It was not their main project nor their main product because it, this company was a, a distribution company for alcohol and grains in the island here in Puerto Rico. And they just decided to start a, a news company and digital uh, content company out of the blue. And that's where Edgardo got, got the job there, um, started working. And that's where um, I already knew Edgardo. And he's like, hey, you're starting a software company. You want to do some software on an application for for the, the this company that's going to do news and it's going to do video content and audio and everything. Mm -hmm. um, I think at first, it, it it was a place where even they were very new to what they were doing, and in a sense, they were you know starting from scratch. And Wait, I remember, I remember us didn't know what they want. <laughs> yeah, is that, exactly. is that what you're telling me? I can't believe. Yeah, that. I've never heard that. Right? right, never heard that. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, and and in a sense, you know, they hired Ricardo. Who was what was her name? Never mind. <laughs> I'll, I'll remember. Yeah. Um, uh, they had a Gardo, and I remember being in meetings with them where even we started developing on the ideas and the essence of what the app was going to be and the, the even the the content and even the business model for for the company you know we were we got how, how do you say we got too too deep mm -hmm. in uh, with them in a sense it was good because you know we had we we got friends out of it. But um, <laughs> in a sense, it was very, very too too casual. Um, I know business was not done properly uh, both ways. Mm -hmm. I remember that you know we signed papers on on um, uh, confidentiality and and uh, ownership right at the end. You know, right. we they didn't even have that in place, you know, um, and we were, you know, we, we were only you and me and, and the lawyer signing those paper, even for an app that they were already decided not to, to launch, but you know, they want to know what they had. And, and it was at the end that they asked for the code. Right. So um, we never knew, mm -hmm. right. That what they wanted, uh, right from the start. So it was kind of surprised that they also wanted to, you know, uh, keep all the other reusable stuff that we could be using for other other projects uh, not to compete with them but 
at least to, you know, have a su successful software company. Um, but yeah, definitely. So we ne never had that. Uh, we're never, it was too late. It was too late when we started noticing that we had, we wanted different things. Exactly. Exactly. And <clears throat> sorry. And you know, when with them, it was, they had a good team. At, I know, I know that I remember, um, I remember Tito. I remember, uh, yeah, they Edna, had a great team. Uh, Bruni? Bruni, that was her name. Bruni. Yes. Bruni, Ma great. Bruni Marie. Yeah. Editor, they, right? You know, we, there's, that's people that I still talk with, you know, mm -hmm. Uh, and, and and still, you know, I could pick up the phone and and call. And I think that's and I, I'm, maybe I'm going ahead. I don't I don't uh, I don't care. But that's mm -hmm. something that us, you know, being skyrocket, we always did. You know, we we went beyond and created this friendship with our mm -hmm. customers that you know they never had with anybody else, or neither. You don't see that that a lot. You know, yeah. nowadays it's everything business, business. You know, but we help out companies a lot because you know we were a startup and we mostly had projects from startup no? mm -hmm. so we identify and we help people a lot and i know uh, in a sense that something that it's 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 not bad but it's in there's a level where you know it's not healthy or it could be productive. counterproductive yeah. counterproductive to the operations and the project and Mm -hmm. And I know that's something that sometimes I went beyond and, and, mm -hmm. you know, many of the failures, not many, but some of the failures are, are due to that. Mm -hmm. You know, I went into deep and, and, uh, because in a sense, um, I tend to be, because I'm a project manager and going back to that, um, right. project owner, I have to be very empathic. Uh, I have to have empathy yes. a lot, a lot of empathy with my, the people I'm managing and the people that are beneath me. But, having that empathy, I also use the empathy. It moved and transcended into the client too, in a sense right. where maybe I should have been a little bit more uh, straightforward and strict with them. Mm -hmm. So I see what you mean. Yeah. Are you talking about a lot of things here? I want to, yeah, 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 yeah. I am really interested to hear about you because uh, after Skyrocket, I, we, I know we, so Skyrocket had a lot of projects. Uh, maybe we can t talk about some of them, um, but after Skyrocket, we got uh, Aqua hired by this other company, which had their team already, and uh, we were just extending your team. And 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 there, I, I could see more of that, uh, not of that, not specifically what you mentioned about, um, you know, that friendship or not that friendship, but but you know what I mean. Uh, what I what I think is something that I really wanted to point out out of your conversation is that you have a a, a really good skill of cultivating team cultures around different. Clients, because as you said, we we never worked with like uh, just one person. We kind of like we we became part of their we became their right hand basically. So our team was daily on communications with um, their team, yep. and it, and we created this bond, which uh, which also caused some friendships to grow out of it. Um, but tell me about more about you know cultivating team culture and what's how, how does that work and why is it important. So I think one of the, and I've been thinking about this um, since you said I was com coming here. I think one of the things that we mostly used to cultivate team culture and create it was humor. Mm -hmm. I think that was yeah. one of the main ingredients on that. You know, we were, we, everybody knew what they had to do. <clears throat> That's something else about Agile. You know, there's a lot of accountability. You don't have to be on top of, of somebody to, you know, make them work. Everything's going to be visible, so you're going to know who's working and who's not. Yeah, we trusted um, each other. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, it comes more to that. Yeah, trust and accountability. So in a sense, that gave us more more uh, leeway into, you know, being more um, more funny and using humor. Most of us also yeah. had a lot, a lot of the same likes. You know, we were everybody. I think everybody that worked for us, they were gamers like us. Yeah. And they were, they liked the... <laughs> kind of the geek culture, you know, Marvel and DC comics, movies, etc. I think that's something that united everybody in the team. Um, even somebody, I remember hiring uh, Rafa. Yes. Rafa. He was, he was, he was kind of like the older in the group. Mm -hmm. And then one, one day I come into the office and he, and he, he has this huge magic, the gathering, the gathering, uh, right, um, <laughs> Matt on yeah. his desk i'm like hey you know he's, he's part of the group and i <laughs> immediately grew 10 points in my yeah <laughs> in my spectrum i was like okay dude you're cool 
Exactly. Um, so, so how I cultivate that first is I tend to be very one-on-one -on -one and very forward with people. And, and I tend to let people know and feel that I'm very reachable. You know, they can call me, text me, and I'll, um, I'm available for my team. And I, there's something in, in Agile also that's called uh, kind of like the ser servient or servant leadership mm -hmm. where, yes. you know. <clears throat> you're very humble. I, I remember every time we had some things we had to, you know, roadblock. Uh, you're, you, it, one of the things that made you really approachable was that you're very humbling because uh, you would admit quickly, hey, I don't know how to do that. Let's get someone who does. And, you know, you, 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 you found a way of getting people who knew what they were doing and just getting out of the way, which was really important as a product leader. Thank you. Thank you. And, and yes, um, you know, it's, it's, it's part of being a leader. You know, I don't, I try to not be always try to be not kind of like a manager or a boss, try to be more a leader. I tend to, right. you know, I, I remember I didn't even, when we got aqua hire, I didn't even want my own office. I wanted to keep working with a team because I didn't I, know that. Yeah, you know that's why I <laughs> that's why I was there with you guys. Oh, that's but, why. Man. You know they they wanted they I'm just kidding. <laughs> they at 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 the end they moved me to the other office with the executive. But you know I was still having the stand up with you guys and kept walking there with the team as as much as I can to see you know what help they needed because um, that's part of it. You know I remember when people had had to do something even even if it's a little bit of data entry and I could help with it, you know, I, I would help if it moved the project forward and, and I had the, the time and on my hands to do that. Not not because I wanted to remove work from somebody's hand, but, you know, to let them see that, hey, I'm here for you. I'll, I'll support you. And it's not that I was going to always do it, but exactly. it It's showing them that, hey, I'm, I'm, you're part of something bigger and everybody here is a team, even the executives. Mm -hmm. Um, that you might see that they're like, oh, they're up here. But no, you know, um, this is part of the group project. Try to be as flat as possible in a sense. Um, but that's something, yeah, that you always try to be a flat, as flat as possible in many new companies. But, um, you know, everybody had titles. So I remember having people call me sir and all that, which is still awkward. But Right. Um, Feels so old. <laughs> Who you yeah. call sir? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I think... I think uh, creating the team, uh, kind of like the community and culture. I mm -hmm, yeah. I know you're very, very you're you are very big on culture. Um, right. I mean, I seen it from I I've seen it from from experience how how important it is. Uh, you know, you probably have some experience too, where the team is not really doesn't have that cultivating culture where they either they're not humble enough or they don't respect each other or they just don't trust each other. And I know that really affects the team's morale and, and in the end throughput of their code and their, and the products we build. Uh, yeah. And, and right. Not, not, not dissing anybody, but yeah. You know, developers tends to have egos. Mm, yeah. I mean, everyone has <laughs> egos, but yeah, I yeah, know but exactly bigger, bigger mean. egos. <laughs> yeah, we have a God complex. We are creating stuff. So, that's why yeah. we need to work on that. We ego just gets in the way. Uh, yeah, and, and, and even know the designers. Yeah, I remember people, uh, juniors, and a lot of juniors. What I faced, maybe they don't have the ego, but sometimes they feel like when they're they don't want to share something. You know, they have a little project and they don't want to share it because they they feel that it's not perfect, right? And and they identify if it's not perfect, it means I'm not perfect. If the code is not, you know pretty or correct then i'm not pretty or correct um yeah so yeah could you share some of your not not to blame anyone but uh how does team culture can go bad if anything if you know you, <laughs> you can share with us you know what why don't you share your experience because that's why we got together oh in the first place because you were having issues with culture yes <laughs> well i'm not gonna put any blames here but yeah, I think team culture for me was so important that I decided to quit my, uh, at the time, very profitable job or, or what I thought was profitable. But <laughs> the thing is that we had um, managers who were lying to clients. So immediately I was starting to lose kind of the respect because I thought they were going to lie to me. But also, not only that, it was very, um, people didn't tend to trust you. They were like trying to micromanage 
one. And, you know, for me, that, that was just, that was a deal breaker. I said, no, I can't really work like this. Uh, uh, I, I need to get out of this environment. Um, and good talent usually attracts other good talents. But when the team dynamics are like that, especially when it's a, an authoritative figure, um, it's really hard to go uh, and be, you know, come into the office and work on things when you're, you have to work with other humans, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so as a programmer, I like, <laughs> I love working with my compiler because I know exactly what my compiler is going to do or say, but working with people is another different story. Yeah, no, and I, I remember that's, that's always, always remember that's the first thing you told me about, you know, something that you didn't want me to do is to, you know, don't promise something that we can't deliver. Because right. that that made you crazy mad, and yeah. and I always have that in my in the back of my head whenever I'm even doing pitches or having investment, uh, you know, giving uh, meetings to and presentation to investors. When you you try to like you know smoke some mirrors, you know, sell mm-hmm. sell even if it's not true, just to get that money. And and I think that's something that that helped a lot. And I I don't remember right now if it happened that much. At least when we I know it happened when we were aqua hire but um i know that's something i would have on my head uh, after you mentioned it that that's something that drove you crazy and and even any anybody on the team yeah specifically when it comes to scheduling uh, which is something i would like to talk to you about um when we're talking about scheduling projects uh, and you know meeting expectations uh one of the things i i hated was when the project manager came to me and told me hey we're, we have this to do and it's going to take two days. And I'm like, uh, it's going to take two days. Are you going to do it? And you know how to do it? Do you, how, how are we getting, like, really, how, how do you, why do you think it's going to take two days? And they usually came up with some unreasonable um, excuse. Um, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, like scheduling was some of the things that I really, uh, you know, some software developers really, they hear project managers and they, you know, they go like, Yikes! No, not for me. Uh, so, why? How, how do you manage scheduling and clients? Because you're you as a project manager, you sit in between like developers and the you know the product owners who are expecting certain milestones. How do you handle? Yeah. That? So, I think mo- most of the projects also I was doing, <laughs> in a sense, some of the product ownership for for the client because they uh, they didn't even have that. At some point, um, yeah, yeah, you <laughs> it was, that. yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, all, all for the hustle, right? Um, so I remember, so scheduling uh, on that, I do tend to to be more on using more on technology. Uh, I awesome. tend to to use one of of have everybody on a on a single um, platform for project management, either be Jira or Senhub or. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Club, a software Club. tracking tool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what's works have been working best for me. Uh and I just have everybody there. I know when everything has to be handled in and and um when everything, you know, the milestones and everything. Either that, you know, that's been more on the on the, you know, let's say just micromanaging or managing, you know, the team when it comes to knowing when to deliver, for example, I never I never give a client um, an answer unless I discuss it with the team first. So that's right. something that, that I try to do a lot. Um, in on all, if, but maybe if it's something that I already, I already know how long it's going to take because you know we've worked on that before. I know maybe it's going to take three to five months. Then you know I might say that, but right. I always still say you know let me discuss it with the team and I'll get back to you. So because that's I'm something hearing, I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, what I'm hearing is that you're basically. Uh, you, when the client says, when is this due or when this is ready, you basically say, uh, if you don't know, because we've never done it before, you, you say, I don't know, and let me talk to the team. And I think in some sense, that kind of made them respect you even more, or at least trust you a lot more. Because who, you know, usually ego gets in the way and say, I, I know the answer, and I'm just going to give you an answer, even if it's not true. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I remember, you know, us having clients where they were like, trying to push the project and we knew that even things on their end were not going to be ready for that that date that they were saying and we knew that on our end things are 
we're not going to be ready. So, and, and at the end we, we were right, you know, and, and that's why, you know, um, you always talk to me about that. So it's yeah. something I always try to do, but I also saw it as we kept doing more and more projects, you know, ask the people that are going to freaking build the, the thing, you know, don't, yeah. don't say it yourself because you never know. And there might be just this minor detail on, you know, on the servers, on the database, or maybe in an API and integration or something where uh, oh, it's going to take maybe too many, too many software lingos. <laughs> Sorry. I think I, I want to segue <laughs> into the next question here with this. All um, right. How, how important it is to understand, you know, to be able to talk to other Ceph developers and, you know, understand the lingo, right? How is has that <laughs> like, been a roadblock yeah, to you? How, how did you manage that part? Uh, this, this question comes from Tanya, who was our creative director at Skyrocket Development, by the way. Oh, wow. So you asked for um, <laughs> Yes. So, I, I, you know, I won't lie. At first, I didn't know what the, the hell you were saying, you know, when we talked about APIs. And then I was like, oh, yeah, the API. And then I googled it you know look for it in wikipedia and and everything like hey um let's let's why don't we do some microservice on the database and and i'm like oh yeah yeah that sounds great um googling microservices for for a database you know and (laughs) so it was at first you know i didn't know the didn't know anything about the language while we were doing projects i got to know more and more but it's something that um, you know, keeps, uh, you know, new technologies come up. So that's another thing, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, Hey, so, you know, we're using JavaScript, which is a, you know, a language. And then afterwards we were talking, Hey, let's use react. I'm like, okay. Yeah. React native. Uh, <laughs> okay. And then I know we were all into like, I remember in the beginning we were JavaScript talking about JavaScript, talking about meteor, right. talking about, um, yeah. <laughs> Um, the platform that we were using for dashboards, I don't remember the name. Um, um, I think, I, I, I don't remember. That we used for the first project on Migo IQ for the first run. We were using... Oh, we were using a CMS that yeah. actually got acquired by AWS and they just stopped the product. It was Caffold. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, Scaffold, CMS, yeah. that's another one. Yeah. Scaffold, yeah. So that's another one, CMS. Okay. And and um, so how many, it, many many other did, words. Did that really impact the way like you work with us? Uh, how how important do you think for a new project manager out there um, <laughs> who wants to start working with software teams? Um, what's your I, but, advice to them? Is for me, it's the same thing as any other language. You know, you feel more in tune with a person when you at least have some words that they understand that on the same language. You have you have like, somebody. Uh, in another place, for example, I'm in another country and they start speaking Spanish to me. I'm like, oh my God, you know, they know Spanish. Uh, mm-hmm. And I feel more in, more in connection with them while everybody else around me is speaking a, a different language, right? So I'm mm-hmm. going to have this connection with, with this person that's right here. And the same thing happens with a company. You might have, have people, you know, in, in sales babbling stuff to you uh, that, that they don't even understand about the product or, or um, in marketing, but then if you have a project manager that, you know, it's in tune with everything and can explain everything and back you up, that, that has a lot of value, you know, right. for, for you as somebody, somebody that's looking out for you instead of going like, okay, let me check, uh, let me talk to them, you know, uh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, no, 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 I know what you're talking about and this and this and that and, you know, the team's going to feel like, hey, I have your, they, this guy has my back and that's very, very important. You know, you right. got to look out for, I'm very, employee oriented more than customer oriented yes also i tend the team yeah the team is 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 more important for me right than than customers because they're 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 the people that are every day they're pushing everything you know customers come and go um and in a sense there's the they're the ones that are giving the stuff that that you're making money from you know and and pay your bills and everything so it's very, for me, it's very important to have, to be a project manager or product owner or even a scrum master mm-hmm. that speaks the same language as the developers, not completely, right? But at least in, in some degree. Right. So we segue to, you know, the lingo and the software lingo, but I want to go back to scheduling. Because um, I remember you, you mentioned, hey, uh, let's start tracking the stuff we do. Let's start putting effort points or time 
just to like yeah not to like because we started doing it and we were getting it all wrong but we started adjusting and we started having data to look back and say hey we did this for this other client uh we know exactly how long it's going to take and how much effort uh, mm -hmm. which was really great because we started you started getting some reports and you were like hey uh uh ceo of this company look uh we're, we're like 30 we, we're like 90 percent done we just need this part to be done and you, you have you know with data we were data driven instead of just gut yeah. feelings uh which which helped a lot because um uh we 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 manage a lot of the expectations and most a lot of people really appreciated that and they even thought it was going to be longer because i think we had other dynamics in the team uh which mm -hmm. led really to um to the aqua hire people yeah people saw the value in the, the team we built and the talent and the, the structure we already had so yeah i guess <laughs> it was a much of a question but i just really no, no, but, but i can i can add i can add to it yeah you know one of the things that I always say, which I I got to remember from when I was taking my classes and, and my uh, certification is that, you know, what, get, what gets measured gets done, right? And that's something that's very, very true. Mm -hmm. And also when you have somebody, for example, when you have a junior hired, doesn't have to be a developer, and you see how something that, um, uh, for example, well, let me give you the, the developer example, right? We yeah. put points, effort points. So if it was something like, hey, you got to build a database on this, it's going to take me 10, 11 points, which is tends to be a kind of like a higher effort or 15. Um, that person is going to know, you know, okay, so this is how, in a sense, I'm measured on the skill set that I have right now. Mm -hmm. And then on the next project, he's like, hey, maybe that 11, it's not an 11 anymore. Maybe it's a five because I got a lot more experience. So for us as a, as a project manager, um, it helps us track, you know, how people are improving, how the project is improving also, right? Mm -hmm. But also as a developer, you see how much you're improving. I never so I remember having it like that. Uh, yeah, because uh, it's yeah, in, right. individual. No, really, like <laughs> I thought it was like, I always, I always estimated efforts based on my, you know, skill set and my, my confident, confidence. Well, on you, it. you were always, uh, you know, super saying on developing. So you never got that much. Thank you were you. always good. <laughs> thank you no no but, no but no but really like i was i was thinking about you know our junior developers and how did they get better at i wasn't really aware that we could measure that and we were actually measuring that i didn't know that oh yeah yeah you know i uh one great example is edian or you know mm -hmm. remember him he yes. started as a junior and i've done other projects with him after that mm -hmm. and you know he's, he's improved so much you know i or I, I find him more on a senior level now, and it's been maybe two to three years. Um, so that's something that he, I, I, I know he's not here right now, but maybe if he listens to this, he would, could appreciate how, yeah. you know, having those points Good job, Eddie scale. Ann, man. Yeah. <laughs> he improved no, a lot. I agree. So maybe, yeah, maybe a five for him um, right now used to be a 15 a couple of years ago. And so yeah. that's, that's, that's how I see it right on, on, on defining data, you know, having data for, for progress on, on what, what needs to be done. And also that's help helps us project on having a date of delivery, you know, and doing the milestones, which is another word, but and putting uh, a budget. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, it tends to be more, more, um, you know, it may sound like, Hey, why am I putting silly points on my work? But what we were mentioning right now, you know, it, it has such a huge gamma of attributes that helps you schedule, budgeting, you know, even the personnel that you need, if you need to hire more employees, yeah. um, or maybe you need less, you know, you never know. It, it helps a lot. And that's something that's also very used in, in Agile. Yeah, it's a best practice, I would say. Yeah, exactly. So, well, I was going to say something, I just completely forgot. Um, but we were talking about, you know, relationships. Uh, I mean, we're talking about scheduling and we're talking about, you know, cultivating culture and here. Yeah. So one of your roles or responsibilities, correct me if I'm wrong, is you have to, you know, gather requirements from the, from what we actually build. And, and, you know, that's where we, we can actually schedule when we know what, what we want to build. And you have, 
you as a project manager or as a product owner, you have to talk to high-level employees, uh, CEOs, CTOs, uh, you know, all sorts of heads. At, but at the same time, transmit that message to everyone in the development team as designers, juniors, software. It's, uh, so how do you maintain those conversations and those relationships across the whole organization? And what's that like? So, well, that's a heavy question. Let me see. Um, <laughs> you have it. Yeah. You so, on, on, so on getting requirements, yeah, I remember, you know, many, many times on the projects that we worked on, they mostly had the idea of what they wanted and, and maybe one or two requirements. But like we were mentioning, you know, we got very invested on many of the projects that we were working. So we ended up kind of like, you know, these are the requirements that you need to make that work. You know, you're, you're not going to have uh, this if you don't do this and this. Um, so I think in a sense, getting requirements, I always try to get the requirements as specific as possible for when I go back to the development team or the designers, um, they feel more, uh, they have, they, they have more detail on what they need to build and it makes them easier for them to know, okay, this is what I have to do and this is what I need to use and the people that I need, you know? So on that sense that that's on the requirements part, talking with high level people, CEOs, um, I know it's, it's, everybody's different, right? Um, I've had higher level executive that, you know, they say they were going to meet you at a certain time and they meet you like an hour, an hour and a half yeah. after that. And in a sense, you're like, you know, I depend on this project because it was a project for our own company, right? Um, so I had to just sit there and I remember you being with me on, on some of the meetings where we just had to sit there and he's like, okay, yeah, uh, I have like half an hour, so hurry up. And then we were like kind of like explaining. Very busy, yeah. And, These people are very yeah, busy. Time is money. Yeah, <laughs> it is. So they're like, okay, show me. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. All right. Okay, so what do you need? Uh, okay. And then it was like three weeks after you hear from them again, when you send them an email, that's another thing. Um, and mainly that also tells you how important the project is, right? Because we've had projects where executive, you know, they took their time on responding they and we needed that. the response. Yeah, and we needed the respond in order to move forward. And we also had other executives that we knew that this project was very, very important to them because they were like hands-on and calling me. And, and that's something also I try to do when, when the company, you know, I try to not, I, I try to be that wall between the, uh, the client and the team. You know, I try to never have the client, you know, talk directly to the team because it that? just messed, messed them up. Um, Can you give an example first, or a real life story? <laughs> Uh, well, I, yeah, I think the best example is when we were, um, in a sense, uh, let me see. I think one of the first project when, and, and I want to do a story on that later, but one of the first projects that we did where we had to do kind of like a, a digital, uh, it was a kiosk platform. Oh yeah. You remember? Yes. I think it was called Ubox. So <laughs> I think that was an example where we shared that was it, it was a very uh, that's a very that was a very stupid decision on our side, uh, especially me for for um, offering it to the team and everybody. I know we we kind of like uh, save some money, but we were actually in the same office as that client. We shared the office, and, and he was kind of like there, and he was very very like a sitcom or a cartoon where he's like, "Okay, I'm here. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything. You just work." Don't mind me. I'm just here. And then he's like picking the phone and talking very loud. Or he's like, hey, what are you doing? No, no, I don't like that like that. Could you just do it like this? And like Five that. pixels and to I... left. <laughs> oh, my God. That was, uh, was crazy. Yeah. I think so kind of like being a product owner or, or even a, you know, a project manager, it doesn't have to be with external clients only. It could also be with people internally. You know, try to have that wall where, you know, the team feels like, unless it's extremely necessary or that person understands the team dynamics, don't, don't have that interaction because, you know, you have something on your mind that you have the team working on and then that person comes in and makes his own agenda, what they want and what he wants. And then the team's like, no, but he said that we should work on this. But you know, as a project manager, product owner, that that's not the best way to go or that's the best thing to do, even if that's what the clients want, you know, because mm -hmm. then 
on the long run is something that might come up and bite you in the ass and and give you more uh, time on the project and more work instead of helping you out. Right. So Plus, you're like protecting also, yeah. the team. To yeah, I try to protect the team. Yes, yeah, sometimes basically not have a productivity issue. Yeah, because well, you know, uh, when you interrupt a developer, that's oh. like minutes and even it could be hours into the developer or even the designer comes back into the same state of focus that yeah. he was when he was working. Yeah. And that's something that I'm very, very strict with and try to manage as much as possible and not, you know, you know, just have the meetings that are scheduled with the team and just interrupt them when it's something very important because, um, and that's something that happens to me. There's kind of like a laser focus point. Yeah, you're in a flow and it takes like hours yeah. to get that flow. Exactly. And then even, you know, it, even multitasking, I, I, that's some, that's a word that's not on my, on my vocabulary. You know, I don't believe in multitasking <laughs> yeah. and I don't do multitasking. Um, I remember you, you saying one, like you only do, yeah, you do two things at the same time. You, you're basically doing two things wrong uh, or yeah, exactly. not efficiently. So, so I tend to have the team, you know, do what you have to do and keep doing it. So that's why I try to keep interruptions as much as possible. And I remember having a project when we got aqua hire where the CEO and was coming into the office and it was like a tornado. Yeah. You know, he threw everybody off. He came, he just screamed ideas and things that he wanted that had nothing to do with the current development that we were working. And then I came back from lunch or I came back from wherever I was. And it's like the team's like, Hey, he said that we're supposed to do this and do that. And I'm like, no, no, no that's, it was just, sharing ideas don't worry about that you know yeah. let's keep going forward and i remember you coming forward going like hey i can't have all this because it was not only the ceo we had other people and even people that were not from the company coming into the developer room and the designer room giving commands and asking questions and interrupting mm -hmm. and that's very important you know don't interrupt developers or designer or anybody when they're working yes very important <clears throat> um, yeah well, I think we covered a lot of things, uh, but I really want to give you some time to tell me if there's anything you really want to share to those, uh, any product manager, product owner that, or some lessons learned that you really want to, hey, if I would have done it again, I'd probably do it different and this is why, or do you have any kind of those stories in mind? Mm, let me see. I just, <clears throat> so. Something like you say like, okay, I messed up completely and this is how I should have done it actually. I think, uh, you know, creating, creating that bond with your team, having, it should, it should always have, you know, that professionalist or professionalism kind of like a line that device, you know, I know we could be friends. We don't have to, but, you know, have that line where you could be strict and tell the team, Hey, this is how we're going to do things. And that's it. You know, that there's times where you have to put your, your foot down and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, more on, on things that have worked more for me is that I, I remember reading this book called uh, The Power of Nice. I remember it's from these two women and they had a marketing company. And I learned a lot in the sense that, you know, always be nice. Oh, that's, it's way better to be nice than, than to be uh, kind of like an asshole, right? Or, or, or uh, mean, in a sense, just to get things done because- Yeah, you get a lot more back. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you, it's very counterproductive if, if you're mean to people and it's not that they have to be your best friend. And you, but in a sense, you know, try, try to be, that's where the empathy part comes in, you know, try to be em empathic with your team and your colleagues. Um, because in the end, it's, it's, it's something that I treasure a lot because there's, there's a lot, I think most of the people that I work with, I could pick up the phone right now and call them out and they'll pick up the phone and they'll be joyful talking to me. Or, or you know, even if they, there's been times where I call people and be like, hey, I got this project, are you in? He's like, hey, I'm in my full-time job, but if it's you, I'll do it, you know, I'll quit. And and I, I had people done that too, you know, it's not, I don't mean that, <laughs> that that's the best way to do it, but um, in a sense it shows, what leadership and being good to people, you know, can, can do to them and, and how it can impact them. On more on failures, right? Um, there's one of the things that I would say I regret is 
um, there's a point of on being kind of like loyal or very into the project and being stupid. And that happened to me on 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 the project that we were working where we got aqua hire, where I kept working on that project for up to six months because I felt very, very entitled invested. and connected and invested in the project. And I'm like, I got to do this. I got to keep moving this forward. And I didn't get paid nothing for those six months because I kept hoping that things were going to get better. And sometimes they do, but, you know, people really just look at the signs and try to be more uh, methodic on how you approach things like that. You know, I know there's a lot of, a lot of, what you say, uh, a trend, I might say, or, or something going around on, on the environment where, you know, there's people that, and there, it happens, of course, but there's people that think, hey, this is going to be it. You know, it's going to happen. But look at the statistics, uh, statistics, you know, look at the numbers. You know, there's very, very few startups that actually make it. Um, some make it bigger than others. Some, you know, they manage. But I think that's something that happened to me on that where I got just so enamored and so in love with that project and also the benefits that I was going to get if that project, you know, became big that I just threw everything away and and uh, and kept doing that without thinking on the re- repercussions. You know, imagine what I could have done for those six months instead of just crunching there doing nothing. Yeah. So I think I, I know what you're talking about, uh, but for... For simplicity's sakes, what lesson did you learn and what would you do different in that case? I would have quit. <laughs> you quit um, early. Yeah, what kind of early red, red signs did you see that you would tell other people that, hey, these are uh, red signs? That's a good that- one. Yeah, I think it comes more into the top management. You know, you got to, I know there's, you, you got to see the signs on, on things that are going on, on, on how people are being treated, on how projects are being that's something very important and that's something that happened to us. It's how projects are being managed. Is it something that keeps pivoting every two to three months or every month? You know, that's something that's not sustainable. And we've had that issue when we're starting a project and even we know that, hey, and we tell the, the owner of the project, like, hey, if you keep changing this, you're not going anywhere. Just every single week or every single month, he's like, hey, we're going to do something different. Hey, we're going to do something different. And it ended up not even launching anything at all right so that's that's a very very and i know for you too Mm -hmm. it's a very big red flag that um you know when you keep changing and changing and changing i I know there's something called you know you have to pivot and go with the what's going on right now yeah okay that's something that's true and it can happen but there's that and there's also not knowing what you want and not knowing what where where you're going to and that's something very different from actually pivoting because the market or the trends or actual data told you to. So that's something. And data, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. Data yeah. is God. Um, yeah. There's times There's times when you use your gut feeling, when you use your in- intuition, but try to use at least data at some point because, um, you know, there's so much information and having people that knows how to analyze data and get your data. That's very, very important. So, all right, good. That was that. This has been great. So where can people find out more about you online? <laughs> well, I tend, all right. This is I, like the, the part where you can plug something in if you're working on something or you want to promote something Where can people find uh, you? I tend to be very kind of private in a sense, but I have a LinkedIn account. We can look, look up for me on, Orban Mendoza. I think I'm probably would have seen or Edgardo have uh, create a web page for me then. <laughs> yes. For for next time I can promote it. Um, and right now I'm mostly doing uh, consulting on my own. Right. Um, there's there's th- more things that happen afterwards for you and me. Right. But but um, even though we're we're we got aqua hire, we still keep you know we are still very very good friends and and reach out to one another whenever. So. Um, right now I'm mostly doing consulting and I'm working on a project called, um, Flexio, which is, a a platform for, for delivery. And, um, um, that's main, the main project I'm working right now. And also, um, I'm doing a, a project more on, on social, uh, it's more of a social project, which is for deaf, the deaf community. 
It's called Deaf Friendly International, and it's a platform that we're trying to promote to businesses for them to have services for the deaf community because it's a very, very underserved and undervalued community right now, even though they are protected under federal law. So yeah, it sounds great. It's uh, very, very sad. Yeah. Well, perfect. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, Garo. You know, I'm here. You call me. We could go. Yeah, hang out I'll probably or have eat, you again. So. I'll definitely have. Yeah, you. we have so <laughs> many stories that we need to cover. But yeah, yeah, this, we do. <laughs> this has been great. Um, um, thanks for joining me. Uh, so all right, folks. Uh, that's it for today. I'm Galo Carreras, and I hope you join me again next time for Software Postmortem.